0: Welcome to episode 639 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. here too. welcome along to episode 639 of Iron Talk with Coach John Newsom, Bevan James Oz, how you go, mate? Pretty good, top of the morning to you. Top of the morning. How's your jet lag? It wasn't too bad this time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still waking up about 4.30, yeah. at 4 mm-hmm. o'clock, but um, yeah, I got, got, sometimes it can take you like a week. my mm-hmm. like Germany, when we went to Germany... How long did it take you to get back from that one? Yeah, that was a good week. Yeah, that was a struggle. Whereas, you know, I'm still not quite there, but fundamentally I'm doing okay. But thank you for caring. Good. I love it that you care. I th- when I think of John Hewson, the first word that comes to my mind is caring. Good. <laughs> and then porridge pants. <laughs> um, I talk is proudly brought to you by...
1: Extreme Endurance. It's your lactic buffer. And our patrons. And let's name a few of them. Volker, the vascular Viking Voigt. Now we met Volker didn't we? We did? Yeah. He had a little interview on the show I think even.
0: Yeah we did too. Uh, We've got Paul the creator Yates. And Mike the
1: Farnborough Fox Hewison.
0: On this week's show team we've got a bit of news, we've got a hot topic of the week, we have an age grouper of the week and we also have an interview.
1: With Valerie Gonzalez who we met over in Kona. She's uh, in the older generation of the females field. She's in the 70 plus and uh, she's got a few interesting stories To tell.
0: Legend. Legend. Uh, No coach's corner. You've got it here. Wing over the week. Questions and answers at the end. Let's get into the show, guys. This weekend we had an age group only race. It was Ironman Florida. Uh, Slowish
1: very slow run time so yeah. I wonder if there was a reason for that whether the course was accurate I have not done my monday course accuracy test anybody who did do florida feel free to uh pop us a note and let us know if the run was long or if it was just crazy hot or it was incredibly hard because uh, we had Steve Jackson in the 30 to 34 men's take it out he swam 5239 which is very solid when you look at the rest of the field there's you know not that many people under 55 so really Solid swim, blitzed the bike with a 435, but then ran a 333.
0: And looking, just looking down the page a little bit, the fastest you're seeing is a 3.10, but most people are over 3.20 and around that 3.30 mark. So something was up. Which is... Slow for age group men.
1: We're not saying anything disparaging towards these men, but those run times are slow.
0: And it must be reflective of either the day or the course, because it's consistently slow across the whole field.
1: And if you do recall from a couple of weeks ago, uh, Ironman Florida did get moved from its original location, um, which was extremely... It sounds like uh, Ironman did a great job um, Mm. shifting it within a few weeks before the race um, and the rationale behind that was that Hurricane had gone through the regular venue and it just was not at all practical uh, to run the event. So good on them for still having an event. Appreciate it's not convenient when the race is 600 kilometres away but uh, a race is better than no race at all. Graham Shepherd came home in second place in 9 hours and 12 minutes so that winning time was 9.09 and Kim Visby was in third in 9.17. Uh, equally on the female side we did not see any blistering uh, run splits by and large although the times I'd say comparatively are a little bit quicker so Tammy Ritchie uh, went a 10 to 20 and she did ran a 3.34 so she basically matched yeah. the winning males time pretty good uh she took that out by two minutes over Brittany volk and jamie simmons was in third in 10.23 but second place there for the f- second female she wrote ran a four hours and five seconds to get uh, second overall uh, in this race
0: okay so interestingly um just talk about something for a little bit longer because I'm just looking at how many people actually participated. I, I think I saw that they had about. They said about 1,800. Yeah, that's right. It's about 1,800. Yep.
1: Which I'm just plucking a number out of the air here. I think normally at Florida, I would guess they'd have maybe about 3,000. Yeah, it's, well, it's definitely. No, if, good if you look at numbers. the total
0: entries, 3,135. Right. So about 50 percent of the people turned up. About mm. you know maybe mm. a little bit under there. So um, best of a bad situation, really, wasn't it? It was. Yeah.
1: One thing that I did note was the. Just the, the pictures looked like when the finishers were coming in, uh, the weather looked okay, but they had a little bit of footage of some athletes finishing in the dark. My God, there was some serious rain coming oh, really? down the finishing chute. It was, you know, a good 10 centimetres deep uh, running through the water. No.
0: You go to Florida. I remember the first time I went to Florida and I got picked up at the airport by this lovely school teacher. She took me for a long drive. I had to go to wherever I was working. And... One minute, the world's ending. Mm-hmm. Ten minutes later, beautiful day. Mm. An hour later, the world's ending again. It's, <laughs> it was unbelievable, the weather there.
1: Yeah, so uh, it would have been obviously cool conditions, but man, that was some serious rain. Not quite as to the extent of the Venice Marathon in terms of the, the depths they had to run through. That oh, was, no, I not hear about this. What that was proper knee-depth water that they had to run no through. No way, really? Yeah, I'm not sure how fast Just far. recently. Yeah, it was last weekend or the weekend before, oh, wow. so that was pretty full on. We had a few <laughs> other 70.3s around, uh, Buenos Aires 70.3, I had Rudolf Berg take that one out uh, in the males, Pamela, Pamela Oliveira taking out the females, 70.3 Los Carbos, Sam, Sam Appleton winning by five minutes over Mauricio Mendes and Elsie Salthouse equally winning by about five minutes over Carrie Lester uh, who obviously did Kona not too long ago, so... That's you know, not a great deal of racing at this time of the year.
0: It's the, extra, the exterior world champs are on as well. These a little bit later. It used to be pretty much the week after Kona, didn't it? Uh, I think it's usually a
1: fortnight after Kona. Okay. Could be wrong there. Yeah? Yep. But they were, weren't last weekend. They were the weekend before. Uh, looked like some really good racing on the male side less close racing on the female side so we had uh rom atkinson from costa rica took it out in 252 beating out bradley weiss and sam osborne our kiwi and ruben rafa Raza- Zava was in third fourth place i think he'd won the last couple and Mauricio mendez was in sixth so yeah pretty close racing on the male side of things and the guy rom uh, Atkinson sounded like you know he really desperately needed that that win he'd he lost his car recently or something they were saying on slow twitch either had been stolen or he drove it into a river or something like that uh, and it sounded like he needed the money and uh, good on him because that was a, a real step up over some of the previous champions do you know if they have live coverage uh, they did have some sort of live coverage but I don't didn't watch any of it
0: have you ever watched the next year
1: no I have not be pretty uh, interesting wouldn't it it would it'd be it'd be a very difficult very difficult race to cover live because you basically have to have static cameras everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not like you can go along on a motorbike and and it sounded like that had a lot of rain over there, so uh, tricky conditions and there was a lot of mud on the athletes. Uh, it's not a dojo domination, but over over half Ironman, I think if you win by ten minutes, well, this isn't a half Ironman, but, but a ten minute uh, victory by Leslie Patterson is an absolute in cool, a world championship. World championship. Yeah, it just if, if you can ride your bike fast you're going to do well uh, and the, the female side of things she just crushed it riding a 208 and uh, all the other females were sort of 216 217 okay, or wow. into the 220s so not even close uh so dominating victory for leslie patterson of great britain over michelle flippo from mexico and lizzie orchard from new zealand third so good on the kiwis we got a couple of bronze medals.
0: Good stuff. Okay, so also coming up, or uh, some news, that there has been a change to the Ultraman World Championship course.
1: Yeah, and then the reason for this is obviously the volcanoes have now quietened down on Kona, but the damage is uh, is still there. So the traditional course you started in Kona, the swim stays the same, you do a 10km swim, and then traditionally then you jump on your bike and you'd ride around the southern end of the island, uh, around to Volcano, which is where the volcanic activity was happening. You can still ride that section of the course, no problems whatsoever, the main road's not affected. But then on day two they uh, traditionally went down and did this loop around Pahoa which is which is exactly where the volcanoes were happening and part of the flow went over one of the roads that they use. So they've elected to completely change the, the day two bike course, still gonna be bloody challenging. Um, one of the things that you had on, on day one was a very long climb at the end of the day to uh, up to volcano. So, what's going to happen now? You have two nights in Kona, so you do the swim, uh, and then on day two, um, uh, we hold on a second, Bevan. Where's the day one bike course going? The the day one bike course still goes out towards Volcano uh, but it doesn't carry on going so you don't have the big hill climb but then on day two they're going up the new road that goes through the middle of the island which we actually did on uh, our Kona camp this year. It's a long old grind up there so it goes up to about I don't know, 6,000 seven to 7,000 feet from sea level, nothing crazy steep um, but pretty solid, then you'll pop over the top of the island and then uh, drop all the way down into Hilo and then you'll carry on with the, the sort of traditional course around the sort of northeast side of the island and finish up in Harvey and then the run is a standard sort of Harvey to Kona so really just a, a bit of a change to the bike course, I think it'll be a little bit easier um, but uh, some different
0: challenges. John, did you watch the news last night and they had the guy who swam around the UK? Yeah. Unbelievable. His name was, now let me put it, his name's Ross Edgley, I'm going to say. Uh, he swam around the UK. So basically it was a, just under 1,800 miles. So times 1.6, 1,800 times 1.6. 2,500, I guess. 1000 Ks. He swam um, 157 days, averaging 12 hours a day. Mm. That nope. is madness, isn't it? It is. Not my idea of fun. <laughs> not your idea of a Saturday night partying? No. <laughs> well, Good some on people but... look got this kind of training you do and say the same thing. I know. You know, so that is. Uh, he, okay, so he left town on June. He had 37 jellyfish stings, a rotting tongue, mm, a suspected yeah. torn shoulder, and an open neck wound from chafing. And that was even with 3 kg of Vaseline that could not heal. Oh, man. That, that's a great effort. That is crazy, but what a great effort. Okay, well, so just going back to the kind of news, and we had another swim cancel, another 70.3 Waco.
1: Yeah, so that was the weekend before last. Uh, Again, not much they could do about it. It was uh, high river flows, and so the swim got cancelled, and they just keep stacking up, and I think that's one of the main threats to our sport going forward is... uh, locations for swimming you know um firstly you've got to have a location that's going to be suitable to have a bike leg and a run leg and transition and all, all that sort of stuff but then you've got to have water a water quality and then b with these river swims um you know this time of the year high river flow you're kind of stuffed so i think it's a major major problem for our sport uh, going forward
0: well the amount we've been talking about recently Mm. shows that it is isn't it Mm. Uh, just lastly in the kind of quick news stuff uh, Wanda might be up for sale looks like it's uh, China how it, say Delaney Wanda Group is exploring a partial sale of its Hollywood film studios and full sales of its sports assets in a push latest push to reduce offshore holdings under pressure from Beijing that's the thing in China. If the government don't want you to do something, Sayonara. Yeah, so it's not quite sayonara <laughs> no, no, in, in, in China. Country. What uh, is it in China?
1: I've got no idea. Are
0: they a bit like India, where they've got lots of different dialects? Um,
1: I don't know, but uh, I'm sure there's a lot of different accents. But no, there's not not a lot of different languages. You know, you got Cantonese uh, and Mandarin. Well, Cantonese sort of around Hong Kong, and then Mandarin. Um, but I'm sure there's lots of. Different I'm going to find out how to say goodbye uh, in um, But look. Uh, Whether or not this goes forward, it's really, I don't think it's going to have any impact on us uh, as Ironman athletes. You know, if you think the change from the private equity company to the existing owners, has that changed us very much at all, how we, uh, the sport? You know, yes, there's a few more races in China and there's a few Kona slots over there. But other than that, I don't think you know we see too much dip, uh, impact. It'd be cool if someone just wanted to buy it and and invest like crazy and really focus on the the pros a lot more and just go right let's ha- have a slightly no one's different market and focus back. on the pros sorry no, there's no money in it I oh, know but that but somebody you know if some bloody rich Russian dude wanted to come in and, and do it then i don't know have
0: hey, this say Jin there you go say yen. Say, yeah, we're just learning some Chinese. This is not just a triathlon podcast, John. It's an educational podcast. Okay, uh, also, we've just got um, coming up races. Not much really happening at the moment. There is not a lot
1: going on. So, a few 70.3s here and there. Um, But one that I did pick up on, it's another one of these extreme triathlons. Uh, So, it's kind of not self supported, but you have to have a support crew with you all the way. It's over in South Africa. It's the well it's the K-N-Y-S-N-A extreme triathlon in South Africa looks beautiful you've got a nice swim the the, the bike looks uh, plenty of climbing 3,500 metres and uh, looks like a beautiful coastal road and then the run looks like it takes in a lot of trails and uh, I think it was about 1,000 metres on the run so we'll have more about these sort of things in our hot topic of the week coming up
0: Okay, John John's ITU update we had Super League I didn't actually get a chance to watch it I probably won't go watch it because I did see the results so tell us about the
1: day. Well, and no, I'm not gonna. I haven't seen. We have had two rounds since you've been away, Bevan. So first up, we had uh we had Malta. Great. It looked like a great location for racing. No, I think the thing that stood out for me that made it less exciting, and it probably shouldn't, because you focus on the racing. But there's no crowds there at all, um, oh. which was which was a shame. But the racing, it um, does.
0: You do lose something of that. You eh? do. Yeah. There's, Absolutely. Even though you're only watching it on TV, you're not there. It does
1: take away some of the atmosphere doesn't it it's it's really you know it's the same watching cycling you know if you're watching the you know a a stage race versus the tour de france um if you had the same guys racing over the same mountains with you know Quarter of the field, it feels it does feel different. So uh less big guns racing in the multi-leg, um and did you watch less crowds? Yeah, you know I've watched all that. Really good racing. I'm not going to tell the results because even if you know, if you see who wins it, uh it's it's still worth watching in terms of the dynamics that that go on. So
0: it was still really great racing, really interesting. It was
1: not as good as the previous round, but it was still definitely very good racing. Okay. So really Really enjoy it. And look, one of the things that's coming out of the Super League for me is you get to know all the athletes, you get to know their names, whereas if you watch an ITU race, it's all going to be about those, you know, Richard um, Moller, Murray, Schumann, and you only really hear a handful of names mentioned, whereas because these fields are so small, even, you know, the guys that are getting eliminated get a bit of camera time and so you actually see them. So you might not know, um, you might not see them finish, but you kind of feel like you know Almost all of them. So it's great exposure for the athletes. It's just punchy little coverage. You know, each race is you know maybe twenty minutes long. So if you need some trainer um, content to watch, check out Malta. It's all up on YouTube. And then the one that I haven't watched yet was Majorca, which was over last weekend. And see, I do. I've watched one stage, and I did see the result, the overall finish, which is a bit of a pain because I'd done really well up until oh, yesterday morning really <laughs> yeah. not to see it. And then I saw, I went, damn it! Uh, but the person who won got smoked in the first race. Uh, and so I was like, oh,
0: shit. Oh, so you wouldn't have picked them to <laughs> go on. So,
1: well, and yeah. so I'll be really interested to watch it and see how that unfolds.
0: You're saying Brownlee proves to be a pretty great commentator? Oh, he still
1: does. He's great. Why? Um... He just gives you really good insight and explains what's happening yep. and explains the tactics. And he gets he gets fired up every every single time when people people are swimming on the other person's hip. He goes right, they're slowing each other down here. This is not a good move. Uh, and he really gives you a good insight on what's what the athletes are doing, how hard they're going to be doing, and and yeah, it really adds a good, element, you know, expert commentary onto the into the team. So by himself, he might not be great. But as part of that team... It's, but you need uh, a really team, good.
0: don't you? You need the... There's just the kind of... Like you think of a rugby commentator. You need the guys telling the game. You need mm. the guys giving the detail. You know, you need a dynamic that makes it work for the whole group, not just the one person, eh? mm. And yeah. because
1: it's such a small field, you know, only 15 to 20 athletes, um, they know all the athletes and they kind of you can have a chat with them pre-race and, and they know what's going on. So, yeah, it's uh, really good. Jeez, that Mallorca course was um, pretty full on. I Why? Know. You come out of the swim and it's straight up a hill climb, turn around, straight back down, 90 degree turn into another little side street hill climb, up there about 100 metres or 200 metres, turn around, back down the hill, downhill, 90 degree turn, Uh, I don't know if it rains on any of the the stages, but man, if it did, it could be And did they have good crowds there? They had a lot better crowds, I mean, Mallorca is a a hotbed for triathlons, so uh, I have only watched one stage, so Super League, nice work, keep it up.
0: And, And is that it for the year?
1: It is, I think then they go into the new year, Uh can't remember exactly, but uh, I think that's it for the year. And the winner takes home 20k. Yeah, so you have prize money for each race, and, uh, and then uh, there'll be a set, prize money at the end of the series as well.
0: Okay. Um, hot topic of the week. So last week we were just wondering what you guys thought about the Kona coverage, what was the best part of the Kona coverage viewing, and what was one thing that they could do better moving forward with the coverage going forward? And I think we all agree on consensus is that it's definitely a step up, and it's pretty awesome this year. But we're just kind of saying, hey, what can be improved? So do you, are we, I'm just going to use ones you've written down here.
1: I think so. Sean sure, no, The Porno saying the classic Tour de France scenery cuts and more cameras. Uh, improvement, Greg Welsh is getting tiring. Can we have some other interesting people? And a bonus, can we get over the Iron War and talk about the legends and their performances that have happened since then? So I think there's a number of good points there. Um, the thing with the, the bike course in Kona, it's pretty bloody boring. There's not a lot of scenic uh, cuts you can take out of there. There's nothing out there like Tour de France. You ride, you're riding along and yeah. you're going through little towns they and it's history. Yeah. So I think they could do a bit better. Um, but, and that's just you know, something they can the add to. The only
0: thing I would say with the eyeball, because I totally agree with Porno. Have you haven't seen it before? No, well, not that. It's, it was the 40 year. Like when we went to the prize giving, it was a lot of the same stuff we've seen a lot. Mm. But I gave them the pass because it was the forty year. Mm-hmm. If, it, if it's the same next year, come on, guys, sharpen up, because I know the eye more If you haven't seen it, true, but it was twenty years ago. It is epic. It's just yeah, but, so but it's, epic. So was Ray Lurt in Mecca. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we never hear about that. No, I I, I I do agree. You know, like it's like, come on, we've got better, we've got more stories than just that one triathlon story. But this year, I kind of gave them the pass because it was the 40 year. Mm-hmm. So when we were at the awards ceremony, they did this massive kind of history of, and it was if you've been in the sport for a while, you knew every story. But they're, mm-hmm. but they're all great stories, and they were the right stories to tell at this moment. But if they were hashing him out again next year, you know, come on. Lenny uh, Juan's got, uh, I like the map graphics, which showed where we were in the course where the leaders were. To improve the coverage, it would be great to have media following a few behind the leaders like fourth and fifth as we never see those catching up or what form they were in. I would love to see Marinda taking over a few of the ladies as she came through the ranks on the run. We only saw her across the finish line.
1: And, and there's a few comments here around focusing on fourth and fifth. Yeah. Uh, Get the point. There's only so many cameras out there. I think that overall they did a, a again did a better job, and maybe they'll sort of step up a little bit It is bit a more. pity.
0: I, I get uh, you got to give them a pass, mm. but it is a pity because a lot of the racing, the interesting racing, is actually happening for what's going to be on the podium. Well, mm. like look at the men's race. You had Matt Hanson You know, you then you had Linden, um no, no, Hanson, You're I mean, someone Matt, else. I interviewed last week.
1: Oh, uh, Matt Russell. Matt not Russell Matt sorry,
0: Matt Russell. We had Matt Russell, and then you had Braden and Tim both fighting out. That's a really interesting race what was happening there Mm. and unfortunately we didn't get to see that side of it.
1: Mm. Um, But at the same time, you know, they're focusing on the leaders because if they miss any passes oh, totally, up there, yeah, we're going to yeah. put the boot into them big time. How could you miss yeah. bloody, you know, so and so blowing up in the energy lab and getting passed? So yeah. But again, good feedback. Peter Colson said pretty, uh, the coverage was pretty good this year. One improvement, two feeds, one for men's race and one's for women's. So I guess what he's meaning there, you can go onto Facebook and there's actually two feeds going at once, or whether or not you have the split screen going. Both they sides of it, it, a little didn't bit they tricky. The they did have a split screen at times, so it would be pretty tricky to have... I know, Well, it wouldn't be tricky, but if you had two feeds, you'd have to have double the, prob- the amount of the commentators. The problem with two
2: feeds,
0: because it's more about the editing room, isn't it? Because mm. obviously there's someone in the editing room controlling what we're experiencing. Mm. If you do two feeds, you just have the camera on the person, and when they just yeah. have the camera on, it's always a bit boring, isn't it?
1: Mm. Mm. So no, I... I Prefer you know a little bit more split screen action, but two feeds I wouldn't even know what to watch. And then if you're watching the men's, you'll miss the women's, and vice versa. Mm.
0: Uh, Tim Swanson's got all in all. Love the coverage; it's been consistently improved over the last few years, which is great. Not looking for perfect, just better each year, which they've done. One thing I'd like to see is live time gap scrolling across the top, like Tour de France has with its breakdown gap to the um, peloton. Uh, would be cool to see how fast Lang was closing in on down on the leaders then. If, how fast he was pulling away from Arnold's.
1: I agree with that point there about the rolling um, feed of where people are at, but they did actually have that along the bottom of the screen, mm. but I didn't notice it very much.
0: It was there? Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, when I was in the media room, I saw it. I
1: was thinking, I'll oh, give us some stats here, and then I looked down at. Oh, they are, they are actually doing that, but it wasn't very clear. And I think I agree that maybe doing a few more updates on the main page so it's really obvious with uh, going through the certain time splits. So you know they might have right the everybody's coming through the five come through the five k time split, and these these are the times going through rather than just scrolling across the bottom.
0: Well, I think one thing as well is in today's world you know, the interactive experience of viewing is completely different to what it was in the past. And so they really could just have, go to the app, we're doing that side of it right there on the app. So Mm -hmm. like, you know, when we're watching TV, a lot of people have their laptops, their, their phones, their iPads out when they're watching TV nowadays. So they could actually integrate that stuff onto the app, get people onto the app, have things like, the GPS coverage, that, you know, you could just have a little screen on the app that kind of gives you kind of like a dashboard of Mm -hmm. all the key things that are happening in the race on the stats side of it. Because the rolling thing works, but it doesn't work because it is just a bit inconsistent. Mm. Um, Whereas if you just had your app there, okay, here's what's happening. Oh, here's the splits. You know, to me, they could integrate both of those things really well.
1: But they have that in the app already, don't they, in terms of...
0: Yeah, but you imagine if you just had a dashboard... Yeah, yeah, you know, okay. it had three or four things. Mm-hmm. And you could even, you could say, they could say, here's 10 options. Mm-hmm. You can choose, you know, kind of like what you do on a Garmin. Mm-hmm. Here's what you can have on your dashboard. Bang, bang, bang. And you can kind of choose, I want to watch the males race, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good way of integrating the technology that we now have access to while making the screen more just about the visual of what's mm. happening in the race.
1: David Rose said, very pleased not to see any adverts every 10 minutes. I think everyone agrees with that one. Matt Young, we got what we paid for. And uh, Chris
0: Hague's got uh, great coverage all in all. Love the power stats on the no, bike. No, live power stats. Uh, love power stats on the bike. Would be cool if that's possible.
1: And so, yeah, the thing with the power stats, and they do that a little bit with the cycling where they have live heart rates and power mm. stuff. It's all over the place. You're looking at it going, Really? Is he pushing 400 watts at the moment? He's on the, he's fifth wheel on the peloton and heart rates really doesn't mean anything. So it would be kind of, I think from my point of view, I'd rather see a bit more of the, and now it'd be cool if they had it and it was really accurate, but what they've done in the past is grab people's bike computers off their bikes. Um, yeah. But then again, it's a bit of a, you know, if you secrets. start reading out people's stats and that somebody else's coach is going, that guy's gone too, too hard, he's going to blow up at some stage and then it's, I, I get what you're saying. So
0: you're saying it's not, good to do it in-game.
1: Yeah, it's good for us viewers, but it's not necessarily fair on the athletes. Um, yeah, but I don't but I understand what he's saying. Uh, Andrew Davison, this is the only negative one that I've had really, is feed was a disgrace in Australia, so I haven't actually heard many other people saying the feed was was bad like it was at some of the other races.
0: So is that just an internet problem? Might, I think it might yeah, be. Okay. Uh, Neil Hastings got love the sport being shown on Facebook. As a fan of a lot of different sports, I've been watch, pretty much watching price out of this are watching boxing, MMA, and football. So he's just saying the price of other sports are making it a problem, whereas in this sport, you can jump on Facebook, free feed all day long. It's great. And going back to no ads, mm-hmm. you know, really great. So, um, yeah, a few things I've got on here. <coughs> um,
1: I think it'd be great to have a bit more of the live GPS timing. And so, as I said before, you know, have when, when they're coming through a particular timing, mat you know, have those splits coming up on the side as they go through, a bit like what they do, you know, each time they go through a lap on say the Super League or ITU, yep. it's flashing up on the side so you can see the, the live um, splits and then maybe using that data and comparing it to say the ten K splits. So if on the run, if you go you have two panels showing up, you know, this is what it was like five K, this is what it's like a ten K, just so it's visual rather than it all being audible, mm-hmm. having some visuals up there you can, so you can really see that those guys that are either blowing up or coming through. Um uh, I thought also maybe a little bit more live crosses to the course so they sometimes went to all, they just went to transitions didn't yeah, they? To Matt, yeah to uh, Matt Liedo in transition and it was often it's, when people come out of swim slowly yeah, how do they or, look they look great but it's like well they're just coming through transition Yeah, you know, how can you tell there but if they had somebody you know maybe on the, the top of Palani Hill on the, the run they'd probably get a good feel for what people are looking like and I think that would give a different um, you know have a static camera up there so maybe a couple more static cameras on the course I think would be good uh, also I think having Torsten or someone like that in the background, giving the commentary team a bit more stats on the athletes, so rather than them just working off their research and their knowledge, and maybe they have this, but I think having someone like Torsten in there saying, right this is Bart Arnott, so this is his performances this year, this is what he's been like in the history, and so they, they do as good a job as they can with that, but I think if they had a dedicated person, expert in there, I think they could probably do uh, a little bit better. you got VR here. Well oh, I just added that in there. Now, After because, watching
0: the news last night.
1: Yeah, imagine having a bit of virtual reality in there, if you... Again, How like are you having, do that? Well, You have somebody on a paddleboard on, um, on the on the on the swim, yep. and then you'd have somebody on a motorbike with a virtual reality camera going through the riding in the pack. Oh, I don't just ideas. No, it'd be a bit hard on the, the future here. It'd be a bit hard on the bike because it'd be the draft advantage, but no reason why you couldn't do it on the um, the run and the swim. It looked pretty epic what they were doing on the news
0: last night. Yeah, yeah. So on the news last night in New Zealand, they had um, a news piece about. I think it was a UK firm, um, and they're basically virtual sport watching, and so they have all these cameras around the around the ground, and you can put your VR set on, you can watch the sport, and what's quite cool about it is that you kind of go into this VR room, once you put your screen on, and there's kind of this massive screen, and I'm not quite sure what your vantage points as you're watching the game, but you can have your mate. So John could be yeah. in Nelson, yeah, you know, in and holiday, and I'd go, mate, let's watch out the footy, and John's next to me, his avatar at least is next to me, so we can kind of experience it together. The only thing I'm kind of curious to see about that is, because one of the keys to good sport watching is great editing, going back to what I was saying before, mm. and, um, you know, when you watch rugby league, whatever sport you're watching, there's an the editor who knows where to be to help you. In VR, you might miss lots of the game because you're not, mm-hmm. you know, sure. but then, but then... when you go to a live game exactly you know so yeah fascinating stuff we do live in really cool times around how to experience sport don't we Mm. you know and and we very much are at the beginning of what this could be it's it's hard to comprehend what sports consumption will look like in maybe another 20 years from now absolutely nobody at the bloody stadiums no yeah Mm. Yeah, that is. Or maybe you could have like speakers at stadium so you can for, you make noise at home <laughs> and they hear it when you're playing. Yeah. <laughs> but who knows? Like again, who knows what the future brings? For me, I think we've pretty much covered anything. The big one for me, which again we give them the pass on, is just that whole thing of I would like to see a bit more of what's happening behind the leaders. Mm. Um, and if they were to invest a little bit more money next year, it would be cool if they could incorporate that into it somehow because. Mm. Well, the gills race was just so dominant this year, mm-hmm. you know, or at least, off you know, halfway through the bike. Um, and then... The- yeah, the battle for third
1: was quite um, interesting. You know, there's some different lead changes there. Yeah. We, we saw one or two of them but again, Not really have, coming through the field. Yeah. If you had a dedicated, one dedicated camera in the males and females race and you said, right, you guys are trying to catch what Get you can about, from, yeah. from four through 10 while the other two cameras, you know, uh, are focusing on, you know, one, two and three. And,
0: and if you think about it, cool. imagine if you look at historically in the race, those dynamical, those changes pretty much all going to happen in the run and there's probably a certain era of the run where you can guarantee those changes are going to happen. Mm. So they you know, it'd be pretty easy to kind of go, here's where we need to set up to catch these types of things, these events happening in the race. And so, uh, again, it costs more, but I do think that's the one thing that would add a lot more to the the viewing experience. Okay, John, this week's discussion... Yeah,
1: so this is sort of on the back of this uh, race in South Africa that I mentioned earlier on. Uh, Another one of these extreme races where there's, uh, you know, um, small fields, either self supported or you have a support crew, Uh, epic courses, very, very hilly, you know, Norseman type races. I'm, I'm almost mentioning one every bloody week uh, <laughs> so do these events like Norseman like this one in South Africa like Swissman we've got one in New Zealand up in uh, Taranaki now uh, There was they had one in Australia going up Kosciuszkos they seem to be popping Kosciuszkos, up Kosciuszkos
0: that's a great name it's the highest mountain in Australia Kosciuszkos have you been
1: up there? I have indeed we did a half Ironman up there in an epic camp was one was that
0: year. the one where the guy was riding down and his, his wetsuit got caught in the tyre?
1: it was indeed yeah Fritz
0: he got pretty badly damaged he did
1: Tip of the day, don't hang your wetsuit <laughs> over your aero bars when you're going riding down the hill. hill. Uh, anyway, do events like Norseman seriously appeal to you in and such that, yes, I'm actually going to do one? Why or why not? And if yes, are you actually putting your money where your mouth is and have you actually signed up for one? Because a lot of people that go, oh yeah, that sounds wicked, it appeals to me. But are you actually going to go and do one
0: or not? Well, if I ever do an Ironman again, that's what I'm going to do. There you go but uh, I'm not putting more money in my mouth because there's a big if. Yeah. If I ever do, I mean... Okay, John, let's talk about sponsor. Oh, we've got a new sponsor.
1: Well, no, this it's is... Just, us. <laughs> this, it's us. Just promoting uh, the World Triathlon Store. So if you go to imtalk.me and you click on the store button, you can go off and buy uh, any IM Talk gear. You've got all sorts of stuff. You've got um, bike gear. You've got running gear. You've got everything you want. Um, and they've got a promo going because uh, the last day for orders... Uh, Thursday, the twenty second of November. If you want to make sure you get them by sort of Christmas time, so great idea for a present. Um, use the promo code IM Talk, and at the moment you'll get ten percent off up until uh, up until the twenty second, and then you'll make sure that they get delivered um, before Christmas. So if you're looking for a Christmas present for someone, looking for something for yourself, dropping a hint to
0: someone else. Now, and also, Phil Nader did the New York Marathon yesterday, mm-hmm. um, and on facebook i saw the photos jen yes. did a very good job jen you're a good photographer because she did a good job of capturing him as he ran by her right and let's be honest you get one chance yes although she might have had the old hold the button down trick on but mm-hmm. but she had a great shot of him going side on and he looked sharp And his he, iron talk top he did look sharp in the iron talk top so there you go you can, and, and people love the iron talk top don't you they? you get plenty of, plenty of
1: feedback when you're out there racing people who wear them Get plenty of uh, good jobs and come on, I am talks. Yeah,
0: there we go. So, uh, where, where do they go, John?
1: They go to iamtalk.me. Up the top, there's the store button. Click on there, and uh, then you get taken off to the World Triathlon Store. And remember the promo code: I am talk twenty. Yeah. Oh no, I am talk. Just I am talk. Yeah, yep.
0: good times. Here we go, John. I'm gonna put some music on. Group of the Week. week. Good old Justin Farty sent through this one. He said, I would like to nominate Andrew the Predator Hunt to be Age Group of the Week following his recent win in his age group of 45 to 49 at Ironman Taiwan. Back in the early 2000s, though some misadventure, he had a serious, th- uh, through some misadventure, he had a serious fall, which resulted in a serious back injury, including a fracture of T12. That's got a hair. That has Got to hurt. Realizing things had to change, he started running and went on to complete a number of marathons. In 2012, I was doing 70.3 a year. Pond. It's in Queensland.
1: No, oh, is that not around any longer? No, it's not okay. around.
0: Uh, and my build up to my first Ironman, Huntley Hunty. They call him Hunty. That's what I do in Australia. Everyone's at like, EA. Hunty. Matey. Matey. <laughs> Hunty signed up for pond, and I think it was his first proper try. At the end of the race, he said that triathlon wasn't for him. However, in a week, within a week, he called me to say that he was planning on doing Ironman Ken's the following year. Nice. <laughs> That's cold, that is. Oh, I hate this sport. I'm doing yep. Ironman. Uh, and so began his journey. He has since done many tries, including four Ironmans, over the last five years. He signed up for Ironman Taiwan about a year ago, and has undertaken a huge amount of training with the aim of qualifying for Kona. He has been following trainer road as well as incorporating John's run walk strategy. You should patent that. Well
1: I, I didn't come up with the idea. I know it's but still. I was demonstrating it last night to the uh, to my running group and they were like, That's not walking. <laughs> it's like it's it's very brisk. yeah. yeah
0: it's very brisk. Very brisk. Uh, which he used in the Gold Coast Marathon in 2016 for a three hour and four minute PB. Conditions in Taiwan were tough with very strong winds. However, Hunty, I just love the Hunty, uh-huh. um, managed to deliver coming first in his age group and sealed himself a spot for Kona 2019. I think he should be nominated for age group of the week given the way he has turned things around in the last 15 years and for the dedication over the last year. The Predator has came a long way from when he threw his running belt and water into the bushes in exasperation at Yeppon when he realised running in triathlon was a different kind of running. The only issue with Hunty is qualifying for Kona is that now he has increased the pressure on me to deliver in Busselton in December.
1: Coming up in a few weeks time, I think it's maybe December the 6th or somewhere around about that. So good luck to you, uh, Justin. At uh, Yeah, game on. And also just
0: just for Andrew... Pretty cool journey of endurance sport, eh?
1: Well, yeah, winning your age group and making it to Kona 15 years. That's a
0: big achievement. Very solid. You know, nowadays to turn up to a race and win your age group, you've got to perform.
1: Especially in those difficult conditions in Taiwan.
0: Yeah, so let's wrap it up. John, John, Andrew, the Predator Hunt, or Hunty.
1: You are our age group group of the week.
0: Okay, John, we've got an interview coming up. Uh, We interviewed this lady, Valerie, in Kona when we were there, uh, and we met her through it was Brent Chan. He, he's
1: he. I think he might. He did nominate her for age group of the week, and
0: you're going to find out why in a minute. Okay, so here is Valerie right now. Okay, guys,
1: we've got a bit of age age group action uh, from Kona. You will be hearing this post race, but we've got a lady, whether she knows it or not, she was an age group of the week on the podcast uh, not that long ago because we were over in Challenge Rote in Germany, and uh, Brett. Chan was telling us a bit of a, a, bit of a story about uh, our guest today, and Valerie, we'll, we'll maybe go into that story in a moment, but she had some interesting times down at Ironman Cairns, and I believe that's not the, uh, the first time she's had some interesting journeys. So welcome along to the show, Valerie.
2: Thank you very much.
1: Maybe start by telling us a little bit about yourself, your, your age, where you're from, and just sort of your, your athletic history.
2: Okay, um, so my age is 72. I did my first Ironman when I was 57. I learned to swim and bike and run after I turned 50. I have no athletic history other than, oh my gosh, how do we uh, avoid getting her on our team? (laughs) 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 If I lived in a wealthy neighborhood, they would have paid the coach not to have me on their team.
0: (laughs) could could I ask? Because, you know, you're of your age, 72, so you would have lived at the time when recreational sport like running didn't really even exist and you know so to think you know if i'd said to you 30 the 40 year old version could see of you what you're doing now i'm sure you wouldn't even thought it was possible so
2: absolutely how did did that
0: journey happen
2: (laughs) um the journey happened actually started with my daughter she was starting to get into triathlons when she was in university and i would go out and see her at races Uh, One of the things she was doing a Half Ironman, now 70.3 in Victoria. And I was admiring all these young athletic bodies coming off the bike and going into a run and appreciating that in triathlon, there's not a body type. You're not tall and slender. You're not big shoulders like swimmers. Uh, You can be short, you can be tall, you can be whatever. And as I was watching them, this competitor goes by. Um, uh, quite frankly, I'm looking at her, and she's kind of a dumpy, short, middle-aged person, kind of rumbling along. And I, I started a thought that I never continued, but it was going in this direction. What are you doing out there with okay. all the, yeah. yeah, all the people? And then I thought, you're out there doing it. I'm not. Mm. I wonder if I can. And that's literally what started me, signing up for a, um, a run group so I could learn to run, a swim group. Um, we're still working on that. <laughs> and <laughs> and cycling, I learned by joining a tri-club. Mm. So that started my journey. Wow. Oh, and there was one other important part. Yeah. My very first triathlon was a sprint, and uh, I went to the awards thing with my friend because i uh, I didn't know why, and I was in first place, oh, wow. which was fantastic. Mm. Now, of course, at you mentioned about running not being what yeah. it was. Um, there was no other people <laughs> <laughs> in my age group. Nobody fifty or over was doing triathlon really? in, like in Vancouver. Really? Wow. So um, yeah, <laughs> that was all I needed.
1: Wow. What What was the first steps for you like in terms of actually? learning to run but also having the physical capacity to do so because I'd imagine when you start to run you're probably getting puffed very quickly mm-hmm. um, what was that sort of process like for you because I think a lot of people like yourself who maybe in their 60s or 70s maybe they were ex-swimmers in their day or, or have right. some background they go oh that guy's still going but he used to be a very very good runner mm-hmm. but you it's totally different so oh, what yeah. was that what was that <laughs> like to actually learn not just to do the sports but actually get fit
2: uh, well i wasn't uh, i wasn't very fit in uh going into it uh it was a bit overweight like many of the older people get as you get into your 50s and what it was was by being with a group that taught me how to run wisely mm-hmm. so starting off with 30 seconds of running and one well, anybody can run for 30 seconds mm-hmm. and just doing the gradual build up where you ran more than you walked um that's That was one smart thing. I did try to get into a triathlon club, but there were only three of us who signed up. Uh, But that ended up being the club that in the long term became life sport. Mm. But it was those coaches that were some Mm. of my early coaches so having experienced triathlon coaches helping me along the journey and being encouraging at my father i mean they they would give us a workout everyone had done their workout and gone home and i'm still running around the course but they waited <laughs>
0: how um, how did your life change you know adding exercise adding fitness challenge
2: how did your life change it changed dramatically for me one i had always wanted to be athletic and never figured I could with my history. To be able to find out that I actually had a skill that I could get better at and keep getting better, that um, I felt really good doing it, Mm. and the the exposure to a healthier lifestyle Mm. was really, I mean, it changed my life. Mm. Being in triathlon changed my life, Mm. and that's why I'm still doing it at 72.
1: Did, did the winning help in terms of, I know you said you were first fit <laughs> one of one, but it seems like you've advanced from there, did, does that help at all or does that, it just is what it is in terms of the, you know, getting the medals?
2: Um, well, ha- having a totally negative background, getting that first medal was like, this This is possible, something is possible. After that, it's, they, they began to happen. I have an outstanding coach. That makes a difference. She was a pro, and she was still competing when she started coaching me. And she's very encouraging. Those, some people who are still of that generation know Melissa Spooner, mm. and she is still my coach. Um, and then the winning became less important. It began to happen anyway. I, I think every Ironman I've done after my first one, well, every Ironman I've done, I've podiumed. Mm. And that's actually against competition. <laughs> <laughs> <So. Yeah. laughs> and in Kona, um, it's, it took me a couple to do before I got the gist of what Kona was about. Mm. And I've, I've had good fortune in... Um, the 10 that I've done so far, I think I've podiumed five times. So Nice. So
1: you've got to tell us about the story from Ironman Cairns, because when Brent told me, I was like, really? That sounds pretty <laughs> nutty. So t- tell us a story about Ironman Cairns. I'm not sure what year it was, whether it was last year. It was year
2: 2014. Or,
1: yeah, tell us about that.
2: Um, and it actually started off with, it was my first race after I had retired from work. So I was able to go to Australia earlier, and I think I can actually go and enjoy a new experience, and um, so I was going for a month. On the plane lifting out of Los Angeles within an hour, there was a little accident. It was not the flight attendant's fault or the plane's fault, but a very hot cup of coffee got spilled on my lap and adjoining regions. <laughs> yes. yes. Mm. Second degree burns. Oh, really? Oh, uh, wow. Yes. Uh so doctors contacted in Sydney and monitoring their treatment of me all the way through. Uh, got to Cairns eventually and saw the doctors there. And basically, I spent three weeks with my legs against the wall yeah. trying to get the burns healed. So no training, no visiting.
1: Yeah.
2: And in the process I developed either as a reaction, we don't know, post- posterior compartment syndrome which means that in terms of running, I couldn't walk more than two minutes without being extreme pain. I could not run more than 30 seconds. And that was up until the day before the race. So three weeks, the burns had healed enough that I could get a wetsuit on and discovered when I started to ride my bike that some parts we had forgotten to treat, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. got through that. (laughs) But the thing that I didn't know was um how i was going to do the marathon mm. so it was a horrible day pouring rain rough waters i'm a slow swimmer anyway but got through the swim got on the bike actually had a wonderful bike ride despite all the rain and it was going really well and it only in the last 10k i'm thinking what am i going to do when i get off the bike how am i going to manage this i like i tend to run most of the marathon. Mm. Um, Get off the bike, go into T2. No bike bike. No no run bag.
0: <laughs> what, what, what happened to it?
2: I never found out. Wow. <laughs> they eventually found pieces of it. but we, uh, And in 10 minutes, they're holding me. They won't let me out because I don't have my bib because yeah. you only wear your bib there yeah. before the run. And I said, look, I've got a timing chip on. If you find the bag, just track me down. It's a four-loop course somewhere where you find it you can meet up with me and give me my my shoes and I've like I'm pumped at this point I wanted to get out on the run course yeah. I felt really good at coming off the bike and I started to run in my socks mm. and it's like I can run it was astounding
1: yeah
2: <laughs> so I'm Most, uh, well, there was one and a half kilometer area that was just total gravel. But because of all the rain, the grass was soft. So Mm -hmm. when I could, I would run on the grass. Grass was like Kona, things grow fast. I think I must have fallen four or five times over boards and things that were there that I couldn't see through the grass. But I was running. Somebody stopped me and said, I have a pair, what size shoes do you wear? And I said well, they said, well, don't tell anybody. And I said, I can't, you know, I can't take anything from him." Oh, no, no, I'm with I'm with Iron Man. It wasn't true. But there was, <laughs> I'm with Iron Man. Yeah. So, and and a new pair of socks, because mine were toast by this point. Um, I put the socks on. I put the shoes on. I started to run, and I couldn't run. Right. They hurt. Okay. It hurt to run in them. So I took them off, handed them to somebody I knew standing nearby, and I continued to run because I could run without them, wow. and I couldn't run with them. So you ran
0: the whole marathon without shoes the on? The
2: entire marathon wow. without them. How were you, you
0: after the race?
2: Well, I th- when I crossed the finish line and somebody, and the announcer said, shouldn't have any shoes on, I said, yeah, and a few people know why, but mm. <laughs> um, I said, well, I, I probably should go to the medical tent because I'm sure my feet are wrecked. Yeah, There wasn't even a blister.
0: Wow. And and soreness? Because no soreness? No
2: soreness. Wow. Nothing. No abrasions. It was amazing. Wow. And I think I was really lucky because the weather was wet and cold. But that helped. Mm.
1: Is that something that's... uh, And uh, we will say, uh, and you qualified for Kona with that performance as well. Yes. (laughs) Amazing. did you learn anything from that in terms of going forward, maybe about barefoot running, or or is it, or do you well, go back to shoes after that?
2: I was really curious about the fact that barefoot running had made the difference because mm. I had as, as well been seeing a physio about the compartment syndrome and trying to get swelling down, and I saw ART and they tried to tape it to see, but nothing was working. Well, I, it was probably all helping, <coughs> but I still wasn't able to run the night before the race. Mm. Um, I. I did change the way I have my shoes. Mm. So I went to lightweight running shoes after that and very little support in them. And I have been running well Mm. since then. So, yeah, it changed it.
0: So you you started at 50. You know, your athletic age was young. You've been in the sport for 22 years or something around that. Um, You've done cone a lot. As you age, what happens with the body and how do you manage the body?
2: Um. I think that's where not being athletic in my early years has helped me. So my body wasn't already wrecked. I didn't have all these youth times that I was trying to maintain. Mm. Uh, I just was going from wherever I was. I do tend to, as I get older, uh, have more more injuries. Uh, I have other medical problems that also will probably eventually cause me to no longer be able to race, mm. so I'm out racing them right now. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what
1: was your career pr- pr- um, prior to triathlon? Y- your career prior to triathlon. You said you oh, gave up work when uh, you were about- okay.
2: So at the my l- last career was as a professor at the university, mm. and I was working eighty hours a week and training for Ironman. Mm.
0: And what were you? What was your professorship in?
2: I was. Um, I. I taught statistical analysis in psychology. So, statistical analysis research stats are a big thing for me. Wow. And, yeah, that's what I was doing.
1: Have you analyzed your competition for this weekend? (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) Well, it's always a little interesting as the age groups move up. It's, okay, who have we killed off this year? (laughs) (laughs) Survival
1: of life. I I haven't looked, but I did look earlier on, and I think there's a few in your age group, isn't there, over here?
2: There's 13 this year. And that's the largest group they've had. Wow. Yeah, I would look back, you know, when I was younger, I'd look to the next age group, and I thought, gee, as long as I just cross the line, you know, I'll be on the podium by the time I get there. You know, they've doubled and tripled in numbers, and I think that's wonderful that so many older people are showing that you can, you can still do this sport.
0: Mm. Which is crazy when you think of the sport yes. as an overall. Uh, what, what are the keys to success for you on race day?
2: Um, I'm stubborn. <laughs> 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 of... I was recently pulled from a race for hypothermia, um, and I was hypothermic. I don't think there will be an
1: issue this weekend.
2: Yeah, yeah, there will not be a problem this weekend. And once I got sort of conscious and realized they had pulled me from the race and taken off my chip, I was able to politely argue my way back into it. And they did give me my chip back, and that's how I qualified this year. Really? Yeah. Wow. So I certainly have that as I am am stubborn, I'm obstinate, I'm Mm. persistent, uh, I can manage pain Mm. and make it a a good thing for me. Mm. So that helps.
1: What's your advice for people you know that are listening to this? That might—I I, don't—we probably even got people who are listening to this that are getting into the sport. They're probably already in there, but in terms of your advice for people that are that are in their fifties or sixties that want to get into the sport, you've already shared some insight. Mm-hmm. But what's what would be the main things you would suggest?
2: To go slow, mm. to not set lofty goals that are going to disappoint you. So that's the worst thing. Know that you're coming into it and you have a lot to learn and be ready to learn from those that know. That would be the first thing. So be open to learning. Have work with a coach if necessary or a try group with experienced coaches and listen to them. Mm-hmm. They know more than you do because <laughs> they've done it. Mm-hmm. Um, keep a positive attitude and know that not all races will work out the way you want them to and and that you can have the best plan in the world and the best training and something goes sideways Mm. and that's okay. There's more races. You can get up and do it again. So be, be kind to yourself.
1: Uh, in terms of the older females that have done Kona, obviously we had Sister Madonna. Um, she was in, 80s, wasn't was she she in her 80s. She was in her 80s. What sort of, do you know, that, again, you're a statistician, so you might know more than yeah. I. Yeah. What, what are the, sort of the records with the, the oldest females, et cetera?
2: I'm not familiar with the female records. it's surprising because mm. my focus isn't on beating somebody or I, I'm always competing against myself and yeah. mm. see what I've learned from the last one. Um, I do know that I believe in terms of Kona, that Harriet Anderson is the oldest woman to have uh, successfully completed Mm. Kona. Uh, Sister Buddha, a number of times, tried it and was not successful because I was racing with her during that time, Mm. and obviously in a younger age group. I think she's 88 now. Mm. And she is still doing some races, Mm. but I... uh, Iron Man has eluded her for a while. Understandably, yeah, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Just even just
0: the technology and the understanding of the human body. You know, there was a, a, last year, I think, it was the Indian man was the first guy to do the marathon at hundred. Yes. No, yes, it was a pretty slow marathon, but gee, hundred. You know, it's amazing how much understanding we have of human body, and that, that we, you know, people in their seventies like yourself can be successful in, in, in an extremely challenging
2: event. Absolutely, and particularly for women. Yeah. Well, I mean, we weren't even allowed to do endurance sports yeah. yeah. of marathons, not until the 70s that yeah. people start sneaking into the Boston Marathon yeah. as a way of showing that a woman can do this distance yeah. and not die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, and I think it's wonderful that these, these pioneers have pushed up, have pushed it to show those who say, women can't do this, mm. and have shown that women can do this.
1: Have you got any big plans for the next couple of years? We've just had the 70.3 World Champs announced for, for Taupo in New Zealand. Uh, <laughs> any, any big plans for you over the next few years?
2: Um, well, two weeks after this race, I'm going to do a trek in Machu Picchu. Oh, wow. So that's going to be a nice change for it. Uh, and I'm already looking at races for next year. Mm. So it, it's, it's, I take it now year by year. Mm. I, as I mentioned, I have a medical condition that will probably stop my racing. Mm. And we're kind of out racing each other. <laughs> uh,
0: what, what, what does that bring? You know, when you know, you know, I remember my dad said to me once, he said, you, you get to an age and you know there's an end. You know, and, uh, and it's just a nursing moment in life. But also for you, it's not necessarily the end of life, but the end of sport. So what shifts about how you treat racing when you know, well, you know, I'm getting close to the end of this part of my life?
2: Um, I I just enjoy the fact for every year that I can do it. I know there are shorter races. A lot of women my age that I used to race again have gone to 70.3s or they're doing um, the standard distance. So you just adjust according to what your body tells you. Mm -hmm. You can get away with.
1: Fantastic, oh, we love having a chat with you I remember a few years ago we were over here with Lou Hollander just down oh, the hill I think it yes. was <laughs> he was great value and, uh, and look I think a lot of the people listening enjoy hearing stories from people of your generation and we, we interview a lot of pros but I think you've given us a lot of insight into uh, how we can get a few more of the older generation into our sport oh, You're inspirational,
2: okay. legend Thank you very much, nice I appreciate your, your interest
0: <laughs> what, a, what a great advertisement for our sport if we, uh,
1: no, we, we're a little bit older. If we combine our ages, we're a little bit older than Valerie. Yeah.
0: Not that much older. Not much. Wait, how old are you now? <laughs> so I'm forty-two. You're, I'm f- you're
1: forty-one. I and mean, how old was she? I think she was. We did a, do this interview about a month ago, yeah. so I
0: think she was seventy-four. Okay. Come on, Valerie, Sharpen up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Very sponsor. solid. Bonsa. Extreme endurance.
1: Tell me about it, John. A lot of you athletes will be starting to think about your plans for winter and that's one thing I'd really encourage people to get on top of their plans, uh, especially if you've done like a a mid to late season race, time is ticking away and winter time for Northern Hemisphere athletes is time to knuckle down and focus on a certain aspect of your training probably not you doing your standard swim, bike, run all the way through winter, but a lot of you guys will be going into winter run focuses, and you know how much running beats your legs legs up when you actually run hard. And that's something that I think a lot of Ironman athletes need to learn how to do, is run a really hard five and ten k, uh, it will have flow on benefits to your marathon running. Yep. But it does beat your legs up, so get yourself some extreme endurance, and that will help you through that sort of the DOMs that you get from going and doing a five k. It'll mean you can train consistently and uh, and perform better. So if you haven't tried it, especially if you're going into a running phase, get on it, give it a go. It's uh, you know it's not going to bust the bank to give it a, a crack for for a month. Um, so go to X. Endurance.com and rem- uh, remember the promo code IMTalk20.
0: Good time. So check out xendurance.com. John, let's do Wanger of the Week. I
1: haven't actually looked to see whose uh, Wanger's been out this week. So <laughs> we'll just uh, get the old login going out. and see who has been cranking it. I can tell you it wasn't not Bevan. Okay. Jenny Welsh taking it out overall with 24 hours and 36 uh, minutes. Eamon Pipegrass second in 24 hours and 22 minutes, and Martin Hill in third in 21 hours and seven minutes. Brent Johnson, don't you know Brent Johnson? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's leading so far this week, not last week. Good, Brent. Uh, so nice work. Jenny Welsh ran 24 hours and 36 minutes. This
0: is, this is, this is ran? It.
1: That's what it says. 24 hours? Isn't this a repeat from a little while ago? And she was the one that ran that crazy big ultra marathon. Maybe she just loves running. Maybe she's the new Forest Gump.
0: Yeah. Was it Jim Gump? Remember we had Jim Gump, he was like running around America? Oh my God, what is this event that she's done? Oh she, <laughs> funny you should say that. She ran with
1: Jim Picker. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Boundful, bountiful endurance run, 24 hours. Oh. And Oh my God, they just did a lapse of some bloody area. Oh, whoa. that's... Uh, noteworthy <laughs> to run 24 hours continuously it's just
0: <laughs> John you love you're really good at promoting those really extreme stuff aren't you ah
1: oh, it's not my cup of tea
0: not your cup of tea
1: okay, bountiful John. endurance one 24 hours third best estimated 50k so, so god you've done you this go? several times Jenny it's only your third best estimated 50k for a 5 hour and 28 I'm just trying to see where well, you run for 24 hours how often do they stop in They were near Vale Vista. This is the problem with with social media. You can find out exactly where people are.
0: Yeah, you can stalk them.
1: Yeah. God, just keep scrolling. Somewhere near San Bernardino. Where is that? It's somewhere in California. Anyway, you run for 24
0: hours. That's solid. Good work. Okay, three, two, one. Questions Questions and answers. answers. Omid, I'm going to say Shum Ali?
1: No, it's Omid. Omid... Beg Shamali.
0: That's got there pretty close. Yeah. It's got through, just got uh, Keenley and Kona just saying, I love your show. In your latest podcast, it seemed that you hadn't seen Sebastian Keenley's post Kona video. It's very cool and mentions the problems he had, but basically concedes that the mind was the issue at the end. But it also had some very interesting uh, something about Sanders and what he did. Given they are probably joint favorites, it's pretty awesome stuff. Did you watch it? I did watch it, but again, it was a
1: couple of weeks ago. Uh, and Keenley just sounded like he just lost it mentally. And uh, But there does seem to be a bit of com- camaraderie amongst all. All the the Uber bikers, you know Sanders, Keenley, Worth, they kind of all want each other to, to, to crush everybody. And he else. said that
0: Worth even just gave them a bit of a wink, you know, yeah. when, you know, when they got out of the swim because he was saying he was stoked of a swim. Yeah, and then uh, but unfortunately the cyclists couldn't really take it away. I'll, I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It's it's yeah, it's good. It's kind of an honest moment. Uh, God, shy was going uh, crazy on the stats on on us. I loved it. He was cranking out the
1: stats, and and perhaps we did not give uh, some of the females enough love uh, from their Kona performances. He was saying four women went under three hours in the marathon, and so we know it was an insanely fast day on the the bike. bike, But that's really impressive for the females to have four going under three hours, where men we had three only three under two fifty, and that's pretty comparable. Sort of no, it's actually no, it's not. no. the sub 3 is much better than the sub 250 you need to be low 240s to be comparable to so in 2016 we had 5 and 6 women broke Thurig's course bike record of 444 that record stood since 2011 and suddenly 6 women broke the record 5 men broke Worth's bike course record from last year including Worth himself and Matt Russell only missed it by a few seconds lots of interesting
0: data he then also- he came back with another question he's just saying if you look at the Conan marathon times you can see that Lang actually had the second fastest time preceded by Schuper. I'm going to say, um, Gert, from the Netherlands. However, uh, he was a physically challenged athlete. Does this mean that he did both the bike and the run on a wheelchair? And if so, what does he do in T2? Putting the times together is confusing because it seems that skipper Schurper, I'm going to say, uh, ran the marathon faster than Lang, which I guess he did in a wheelchair, so it's not really comparable Comparing apples to yeah. apples. so
1: I mean, they shouldn't really be listed no. in the same. But for those of you who don't know, on the bike, they do the hand cycle. Um, so that's, Bevan gave just to have a demonstration. It's so, you
0: know, you, you see the guys who are low to the ground, body's almost like in a, a reverse lying position, and the hands are in front of them, it's kind of got the wheels, they're kind of using both hands to kind of turn it around.
1: And then the run is in a uh, wheelchair. in a racing wheelchair.
0: We, we we were in a friend's house the other night, Jeff and Kate. And uh, Kate works at St Thomas's and for St. some reason No, not St. Martin's, it's St. St Andrews. St Andrew's sorry, yeah. Um and for some reason she had the wheelchairs the wheelchair athlete shoes. Right. But not but more for like wheelchair basketball and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's hard you man. mm mm-hmm. And God knows how you don't lose your fingers. <laughs> like even even though they've got the shells on the outside, the amount of time I smash my fingers, mm-hmm. oh, hijacker. Um, so yeah, so they do use a different device as they transition, and and obviously the the difference between Langer and um, Scripper was probably more about just the, the functioning of the app. John uh, Adrian Foy Moy, yes, has just got here. The joint promotion of non Ironman branded long courses. He's saying uh, well, he- I, I raced the long course weekend dis- Ironman distance this weekend in Jervis Bay just an hour or south of Sydney and he just got some key points about the race. So these uh, if you don't know about these, these long course
1: weekends they are in various different places around the world and they're fantastic training So you do, do an Ironman over two or three days? I, yes and so they have one I noticed they have one in Majorca because I saw Lucy Gossage crushing it over there again for someone who's working full time she seems to be doing a lot of <laughs> racing. Uh, doing well. <laughs> doing extremely well uh, but they also have one in 10B uh, in I I think it is in, in Wales uh, and then they have this one in Australia just south of Cairns so uh, yeah swim fright, I think they normally did <laughs> Didn't s- you do one I know I until
0: uh, Kent um, we did but
1: have I done another one don't know. I, no, I was thinking about always, orga- I was thinking about organizing one. You're always one. talking about doing one, yeah. So you do the swim traditionally on the Friday, and then the bike is often a sportif event, which is just a mass participation bike ride on the Saturday, doing 180ks, and then the Sunday is a marathon run. Sometimes it's a race, sometimes it's just a, a mass participation, um, you know, not too organized event. Yep. Uh, so great, lo- great location in Sydney. Great organizing course, well marked and marshaled. Swim in the afternoon was a bit choppy as you'd expect, but it was fun and still plenty safe. Bike Sunday was on fun country roads, about 1,700 metres of climbing in the 180k, so pretty challenging as the weather got up over 30 degrees at lunchtime. Run was Sunday morning after a storm came through, so it was perfect and a bit cooler. Aid stations are really enthusiastic. Great beachside path, which I love, and managed a 311. They had about 800 people doing it, uh, which is is awesome. And he managed to get third overall at age... 48 and 938 behind two young guys the winner was richard thompson who's a former pro and i think he did ultraman uh, maybe a record
0: holder so Nice work, Adrian, For with you in one Good stuff, Darren uh, Welsh. I was just sent through saying that the Ironman Ultraman, sorry, Ultraman UK website is now back up and ready for entries. And I'll put a link to that in me, if you are interested in heading along to see that race or do that race. Um, it's up
1: in the north of England up around Snowdonia.
0: And it's racingquest.co.com. UK but again I'll put a link in the show notes and we just got an email here from Dave from Belgium he was just pretty proud of the Belgians Uh, he's got I'm a bit behind listening but uh, you talked about the UTMB which he just wants to say it stands for the Ultra Trail du Mont Blanc uh, one of the Europe's most famous trail runs So just you can just participate
1: No, you, you cannot just participate You have to oh. qualify from, in, in other trail races
0: Okay, uh, also I want to cr- congratulate Bart Arnault For a second place in Kona We Belgians are having a great sporting year Got third at the, rugby, uh, the Football World Cup Which is pretty big, isn't it? Because how many Belgian people? Do not know I'm going to tell you You Google it, I'll guess it Okay. Wait, see. I will say Well, I'm going to guess as well I'll guess Belgium It's not that big, is it? No it's not that big I'm going to say 10 million I'm saying 7 Belgian population
1: here. Yeah go. I reckon you might be right actually uh, Anyway also in triathlon they, they had Bart Arnott Second in Kona They had Martin Van Riel Third at the European Champs They had a mixed relay podium Frederick Van Laird One Man France And triathlon Alpe d'Huez Oh
0: John what did you say? I said
1: 10 11.35 oh, There you go Yeah Come on we've only got 84 in New Zealand Pick up your game Belgium
0: 4.5 John you know, don't, don't underestimate us <laughs>
1: uh, Alexandra Tondu won the European Champs 70.3 Timothy Van Houghton won the European Champs long course uh, and he wa- he wants God to be nominated. He wants to nominate. For the 90s? Yeah, uh, for the 90s for, for Luke Van Laird. Uh He won Kona in 1996 uh, and 1999. He had a it's second in be- 98. I wanted to get him on Legends, and I've tried emailing him through his website, but I haven't heard back. So if anybody knows Luke Van Leerd it would be great to have him on because uh, not a lot of people know about him, and he absolutely destroyed was it, it for, for a period Was it around for a long time was he no he came he, he sort of rushed onto the scene in uh 90 around 96 So he had had some results before that but nothing significant and the first i saw of him was 96 world champs in cleveland because i was there racing as a junior and he finished uh second behind simon lessing i think it was and then went on to win kona it's like who is this guy uh, so very impressive, um, but yeah, pretty
0: pretty short career. I don't know if I can give him the God of the '90s, but well, he, he's right. He'll be. Yeah, he'll be. Um, he will be, yeah, be in the top five, no doubt about it. But Mark Allen, dominated his in '90s.
1: Yeah, I suppose so because he started in '89. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, you know. So like, Allen takes. We'll get him. a hon-
1: honourable mention. He'll be. Yeah, well, we'll
0: do a top five. We'll do a top five of males and females, but I'm going to say Mark Allen's going to probably, if I'm I'm a betting man, it's going to be pretty hard to argue against Allen. Okay, uh, Jombo, that's pretty much all the questions and answers. We've got a new patron. We have got a new patron so I'm just pulling up my patrons
1: page now. So okay, you, Rock, you,
0: you talk about it because then I'll, I'll um, find a nickname.
1: Ross Jackson. Hello John and Bevan. Thanks for the email. It's a pleasure to support you guys. Just had a long drive up from the north and I managed to catch up with all your Kona podcasts. Oh nice. Got into tries in 2004 after playing rugby for many a year. I was never into endurance sports in school. Bloody hated uh, hare and hounds or anything over a 100 metre sprint. Here and but hounds. Re- I really hit the race I really hit the racing in 209. 2010 completed zurich uh, in 2010 then have uh, then had a failed move to new zealand and really fell out of triathlon for no real reason a failed move to new zealand what a shame uh we're well, out rolling eight years and i've got the bug again signed up for austria in 2019 and looking to smash my previous time of 11:35. feeling positive already um he i work as a saturation oh this that's right This is full on. I work as a saturation diver in the North Sea, spending weeks at a time at around 150 metres, living in a diving chamber... band are doing six-hour shifts in the water. It's uh, it's going to be tough not to lose my fitness while uh, oh, yeah. stuck in the small space of a compression chamber. We do have a spin bike, which is going to help massively. Any tips, please help them. Um, but when I'm home, I do have weeks off and time to do some good solid training. I really think I, sh- I should get a coach. Yep, yeah, you should. Uh, to help break him 11 hours. Really, I love the show. I really missed it while I was on a triathlon break. Uh, he's got his uh, first little Kept coming shortly as well and he lives in a village oh, I've got, you've got to try
0: to pronounce the village he's asked for you to try that okay wait a second I've got to pop up the notes okay so the village he lives in a village where is this married blah, 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 blah. I'm going to say Stoke and Tygenhead Stoke and Tygenhead I'd say and Ty- okay pretty uh, close. Okay, South- what does Apple say let's see what Apple says let's have a look pull up the old Apple here
1: and he's in it's in Devon and he's 38
0: oh, Apple doesn't like
1: Google doesn't
0: it? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't do the voice on the Google. Yeah,
1: app. the picture that Ross sent through was him in this compression chamber, and I thought he was in like a bloody a spacecraft or something oh, like really? that. It looked full on, and he's on his uh, on the. What's he doing in, in there? Um, well, he's it's a compression chamber, so he'll be in there between going out and doing dives, and uh, and he's got an indoor trainer. So you're like 150 meters below the sea, and you're doing your training down there. That's pretty epic. Epic's,
0: epic's the, It's pretty big, obviously enough to have a bike in there.
1: Yeah, it's not. No, it's not massive. (laughs) Uh, It would get pretty stinky. Oh, yeah. It would get pretty stinky. Wow,
0: what People live here. Have you ever been to... Did you ever go to Pearl Harbor?
1: No, I have not. What?
0: how many times have you been to Hawaii?
1: Quite a few. Sharpen
0: up, Newsome. Yeah. We could have gone there that day. You we...
1: made me come for, go for a run with you. I was I was all keen to do it and Blind had to go shopping. You never said to had go to go, go for a run. I said, I'll go with the flight. Oh, I oh, want oh. to go to Pearl Harbor but nobody listens. <laughs> You're full of crap. You
0: know? <laughs> <laughs> because you go into the submarine and they have an example Well, they have a real submarine that you can go into and they go, you just think, man, some people lead some lives, man. I imagine being underwater for, like, I can't remember how long they went under for but, crazy life and they had no space just living on top of each other you know like the captain had the 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 luxury space which is probably half the size of that toilet in (laughs) here like it was pretty crazy um okay nickname
1: nickname yeah we're gonna go deep something like deep sea or or oh okay something, something something uh the deep
0: yeah the deep ross the deep the deep i was gonna go michael jackson songs
1: no, you've got to go to something related to his job. So, Going Ross, deep, going deep. Going deep. Yeah,
0: Ross going deep Jackson. And you can say okay. that your wife if you want to <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to stop there because I'll say something inappropriate. Okay, and if you want to become a pitcher, you're good. Hold on, we dub. might
1: have one. We've got one more here. Uh, oh. Scott McMillan.
0: Oh, have we got? Have you, are these nicknames you've already come up with?
1: Well, these ones that I came up with. Because the way Scott, Scott McMillan is MC, big a, M. I l l o n in New Zealand would normally have an A-N at the end, wouldn't we? McMillan, yeah, probably. Yep. When I saw that, it looks like million to me. McMillion. So it says McMillion, so I was thinking the Million Dollar Man or Triple M. Or have you got a better suggestion? No, I like Million Dollar Man. Million Dollar Man. Yeah, Scott, the million, the million Dollar
0: Man, yeah. McMillan. I need a dollar, a dollar, Million Dollar Man, McMillan. Yeah, I like that. Oh. Oh, that's good. That's good. If you want to become a patron of the show, go dub dub dub. I am Talked Me and it's all very obvious on the website if you become a patron you get a cool nickname you also contribute to the show and you go to the draw to win a trip to kona in 2020 with the boys so uh, and also just to all the patrons because it really does mean a lot and your support of the show John uh, just to wrap things up sponsors Extreme Endurance your active buffer and our patrons and you know who you are you absolutely rock uh, if you want to get some coaching you can go to coachjohnnewsome.com and you check out John uh, if you want to listen to my other podcasts I actually released one yesterday uh, go to com. it's called The Bevan James i Show and if you want to send us content such as age group of the week websites or any other feedback just email us at imtalkpodcast at gmail.com Home, John, your gossip.
1: What is going on, Bevan? Um, starting to crank up a bit of training, which is feeling good. Oh, what so are I'm you doing? So, challenge Wanaka half and mm-hmm. then uh Kona 70.3 and then Nepot mm. Camp France. So, it's nice. Um, okay, wait a
2: second.
0: What success in Wanaka?
1: Well, it will be for Do you me, think you get
0: top 10? Oh, that just depends on who rocks up.
1: Yeah, I know. So, it's a, it's... um, probably not. No. Oh. <laughs> have a little faith in me. Well, you look at the field last year, <laughs> bloody hell, you had Gomez, Curry, Dugal, and Dylan McNeese, Jesse Thomas, My Joe Skipper, Mike, I don't know if Mike was racing last year, that's like seven already. Come on, Joe, um, I believe in you. So no, it'll be, uh, and it, but it's a good point that you do, uh, you make, is a lot of people are really wishy-washy with their expectations and go, I'm doing that race, but they don't really it commit to anything and yeah. put it out there and so for me I've, I, I kind of have in my head what I want to do but I haven't worked out the exact percentages but it would more be you know being able to bike to a certain percentage of my FTP similar to what I did last year so I'm not 100% sure what shape I'll be in but I want to ride you know, the same sort of percentage on the bike um, and then actually get off and do a decent run. So the run for me last time was was not pleasant. Uh, in the you second cocked half. it up, John. You <laughs> cocked it up. Well, I just, yeah, I wasn't. So I'll just be a little bit better prepared. You but this. But yeah. I don't expect to be in the same sort of shape. So I think uh, I'll still be able to perform probably at a similar level, just purely by having a, a half going, decent run. It's going to run. be
0: interesting. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be in Wanaka this year, but it's going to be interesting to see how the dynamic of the day changes since we've lost the full. Hmm. I got kind of think, in, in some ways, it uh, will just be interesting. I'm not quite sure what it will be.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be. Um, I think it'll be good. I don't, again, um, the, they, they did have a full last year, didn't they? Yes, they did. Yeah, yeah. So
0: it was meant to be this year, and they pulled the plug. So yeah. they, they announced that it was going to go this year, and then or in 2019, hmm. and then it would be from 2020 onwards. that it would only be half. But they obviously decided. You Know not to, um, so which means the day finishes what about what? So, probably will it start earlier?
1: Oh, they'll probably start at eight, and and you know, everything will be wrapped up by um, sort is. of one one o'clock, two o'clock. So, yeah. make for a nice social afternoon in the pubs and stuff, yeah,
0: which is in some ways is cool, but although it was kind of social anyway because not many people were doing the form. Mm. So, um, good stuff. Any other goss? Any other goss? Um, no, not
1: really, Bevan, just plugging along with life, looking after the kids, Tommy made it through to the speech finals. Oh, We're back s- it up! <laughs> What's the speech uh, on? Water safety, I, gave my, I pulled out my old uh, lifeguards uniform that I still had hidden away under the bed, uh, <laughs> that sounds a bit dodgy. <laughs> <laughs> <I, laughs> Normally people are no gets to see that. <laughs> I have a box of uh, just <laughs> clothes under the bed though. Ah got my old lifeguards uniform. I think I was just sitting in there for a fancy dress party one yeah. day. That's what I'm what, saying. What, what is it? What is it? Blue shorts and yellow top. Is it, is it, is it budgie? Is it like? No. No. It's pro- Bay, but I think Baywatch. That, oh, that's that's yeah, what yeah. I go with. What,
0: you wore like a red <laughs> bikini.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> so outside of that, Bevan, I've got an exam in a couple of weeks for my nutrition. So now I've just got to get cracking into the study for that and enjoying a bit of warmer
0: weather. Oh my God. Yesterday was unbelievable, wasn't it? It was indeed. Yesterday may have been the perfect day. It wasn't bit, too hot. Bit breezy. Oh, wasn't that bad? Mm. What time were you outside? Um, five. Oh, so I was outside early in the day. Mm. It was perfect early in the day. Uh, oh, yeah. So that's it. That's study. That's kind of
1: just ch- chugging along. Check The Pack and Save Triathlon Festival is coming up in a couple of weeks. So What date's c- that? 25th of November. So if you're in Christchurch, get on it, people. Get on it now. Uh, Late entry fee kicks in this weekend, by the way.
0: And it goes 20 times the price.
1: 20 times the price. <laughs> so. <laughs> Kids, study, training,
0: work. That's me sorted at the moment. Bevan, you, you sorted. Yep, you sorted. I went to LA, John. Yes. I went, so
1: I went to. Get um, you you, I, me. Um, I was thinking of it when the baseball was on. I was going. It's not going to make it to Bevan's. No, uh, it, didn't, it, didn't was, it. it didn't make it. It it. No. And apparently, you know, it's all over the, the, the world. The series. ticket prices.
0: I was listening to some other podcast. Apparently, and when it was in LA, it didn't sell out because because of the ticket prices. Right. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, no, I wasn't going to go because I wasn't going to pay. By the time I got there, while the, when I was in Holland, I looked at the prices and it came down to about three or four hundred US. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I'm still not going. But um, I was planning on going to a, a, like a big sports bar and watching, it but there was no need because mm-hmm. they didn't make it. But I went to Holland. That was very cool. And then that was kind of all work. But It was awesome. It was a really fun trip. And then I went to LA. I arrived in LA. I did a long trip from London to LA over mm-hmm. in kind of... It was the middle of the day, but by the time I got there, it was like at 11, 10 at night. By the time I got... Getting out LAX, how painful was that? Yes. I had a rental car, so I arrived, maybe 7, let's say I arrived at 7, I didn't get to my hotel till just after 10. You know, and it's what, a 20 minute drive from, you know, maybe 25 minute drive from the airport mm-hmm. to downtown LA. It's a painful experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway... So I arrived quite late, but I was quite awake because I had a long flight, and I took some, I took a sleeping pill, so I slept a little bit on the flight. So I'll go for a walk, and I stayed in a quite a beautiful apartment, but it was right in downtown LA. So I'll go for a walk Sunday night. In LA, walk out. First thing I see is a strip bar, and there's a sign 1001 Hot Chicks and three ugly ones, which made me laugh. (laughs) And then, and then I'm walking down the street, and then this guy starts hitting the cops. Suddenly, out of nowhere, like cop cars, and like I'm literally from here to that wall away. Yeah, this guy starts laying into the cops, and then these two cops just pummel him. And then, out of nowhere, like. Twenty cars, helicopters overhead, wow. just absolute carnage. And I just thought to myself, oh, "Welcome to LA." Yeah, <laughs> just, it was on like Donkey Kong. This guy, the poor guy, he shouldn't have hit a cop first of all, but he paid the price because yeah. there was a pile of cops on top of him at the end Ooh. of it. Um, and then had a good time. I love LA. It's such an interesting city, mm. good and bad. You know, like it's it's just kind of fascinating. If you're listening
1: to this elsewhere in the world, we are very naive in New Zealand in terms of our world experience when you go to a different places, We live in a little place. Nobody is going to hurt us. 1,000 people in Christchurch.
0: We don't it's really have the traffic safe. problems. Everything's safe. It's very safe. It's Homeless uh, people in America does do me a head in. Mm. You know, and LA's actually not as bad. Be- the worst thing was when we went to San Francisco. Because you kind of think, when we Joe and I did New York, Vegas, and San Fran a couple of years ago. And you kind of think New York's going to be run down, homeless mm. people everywhere. And I can't even remember seeing homeless people in New York. And we didn't go in the cold time of year either. And then San Fran, oh my God, mm. they're everywhere. You know, and you think, oh, America, you care for your people a bit more. But, oh well. Um, and then um, I went to the Getty Museum. Mm-hmm. You have been to that? No. What do you do when you travel, John? <laughs> well, it depends
1: who I'm traveling with. <laughs> It's often work related stuff, and I'm in and out, and I'm trying to get home as quick as I can.
0: What else did I, do? I did? A yoga class. Mm-hmm. I did a yoga class. I locked myself out of my room. Nice. Yep. I had to get the cleaning lady to come because it wasn't it wasn't a hotel. It was like Airbnb. Mm-hmm. She was not happy. Oh really? <laughs> she was not happy. She was very not happy. Yeah. Um, and it's about it really. John off to Auckland this week. Fantastic. That's yep, about it really. Living the big life. That's how you, it's life in the fast lane for me. <laughs> life in the fast lane. Okay, John, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. Oh, I'm Russ. Train her. Train her. Kia, Kia
2: kaha. Kaha.